just up here to uh, introduce our guest speaker this morning. In just a moment, uh, Joanne will have a reading uh, for us to set up the, uh, the message. And uh, I have a very, very good dear friend of mine who's in town from America. Uh, he was in Shanghai last week. He's here this week. And he's doing some really, really uh, good stuff. You know what that means. Um, while he's here, he and his wife are traveling. And his name is Pete Hiskey. And uh, he and his family are just one of the most uh, unique and remarkable and uh, families that you fall in love with that I've ever met. Um, just generations of just faithfulness and service. And so I'm thrilled that we get to hear from him today. Uh, Pete and Carolyn have uh, four children. And you won't believe this when you see him and when you see her uh, later, but they have three grandchildren as well. Uh, and again, when, they, when you see him and her, you won't believe that. But... Uh, but they really do. So um, we're going to have a reading, and Pete's going to come up. I just wanted you to get a little snapshot of who he is before he comes and brings us a message today. So um, Today's verse is Luke um, chapter 7 from 36 to 50. I'm going to read it in Mandarin. Luke福音七章三十六节到五十节。有一个法利赛人请耶稣和他吃饭。耶稣就到法利赛人家去坐席那城里有一个女人是个罪人知道耶稣在法利赛人家中坐席就拿着盛香膏的玉瓶站在耶稣背后挨着他的脚哭眼泪湿了耶稣的脚就用自己的头发
so I could uh, just feel a sense of grace from the family here. Uh, it's my wife, Carolyn, and uh, I'm really grateful on this particular trip for her to come with me, to be able to travel, uh, just to be able to in- enjoy uh, uh, her company on this trip. We do have four children. Uh, our tribe has, gr- has grown from the two of us some 30 years ago to now we have a dozen when we go on family vacation, so it's a uh, it's a little more expensive to go on vacation, uh, but I just want you to meet my wife, Carolyn, and let her get a picture of her. Well, first of all, I want to say it's, it's uh, wonderful to be here with you, uh, just to be able to enjoy the friendship. I mean, you know, every time I've been to Beijing, I feel like this is a, a, a picture of God's family. You know, it's a very international I view very different from where I come from in Annapolis, Maryland. And so it's just, it's a joy for me to, to be here with you. I had a chance to come and worship with you two years ago uh, and was encouraged by that. I've been coming to China since uh, 1987. Uh, our world that, that we feel called to is the golf world. It's kind of our nation. It's the area that I understand the verbiage I grew up in. Uh, the language I speak besides English is golf. Ease, I guess, is the word. And so uh, as golf continues to grow in China, you know, we have more of a presence here, and especially as we see God's spirit moving here. So it's, uh, it's wonderful for me to be here. I know when I talked to Ralph about coming here, he said that you're going through a, a series called Why Am I Here? Kind of the question, you know, kind of from a macro level, you know, why am I here ultimately, or, but maybe why am I here in uh, China, and so I want to talk with you a little bit about that. And my my initial reaction when he first said that to me was, uh, it reminded me of a saying that the pastor of my home church says, you know, that uh, Pete, the reason you're here is to be a blessing. Like God has blessed you to be a blessing. And so I thought I'd just uh, share a little bit about that today, about uh, and particularly about generosity, developing a generous heart. And uh, to be a blessing, I wonder if you've ever uh, thought of yourself that way. Like when you, you know, wake up in the morning, you say, you know, God has called me to be a blessing. Uh, I don't think a lot of people necessarily think of themselves that way. But, you know, it doesn't take long in a, in a uh, just a, a cursory look to look and, and say, like, first of all, that, you know, we have been blessed. If you got up and you got a chance to walk in here today, I mean, you have your health. Uh, most likely, if you're like me, you're in the top 5% of wage earners in the world. Sometimes it's hard to realize that because there's always somebody who's a little ahead of you. But the fact of the matter is, if you're sitting in this room, there's a good chance you're in the top 5% of uh, people in the world. You're probably not going to wake up tomorrow or this afternoon wondering where your meal is. Uh, if you'll have a warm bed, you're not going to have to live with any of that anxiety. And uh, sometimes it's just a little bit of a reminder for myself that, uh, you know, that I am a blessed person. And because of that blessing, you know, I, I can encourage and bless other people. Now, most of us, uh, we don't really see ourselves. We kind of, this is kind of the rub. We don't necessarily really see ourselves correctly. We either, you know, see ourselves as, uh, like I mentioned before, somebody else has more. You know, so I, oh man, I'm not, I'm not blessed. Or uh, we see ourselves, uh, you know, a little too high. We think a little too good of ourselves. You know, we think, you know, well, 
you know, if it wasn't for me, you know, God probably wouldn't even get his, his work done this week or, uh, you know, you kind of have that kind of side. Or you might even come in on the other side of that. You might think yourself a little too lowly, a little too, uh, maybe in a sense of false humility or a sense of false pride, you know, kind of woes me. We don't see ourselves on that side. So a lot of what I want to discuss in, through this lesson today and in the scriptures, like how do we, how do we see ourselves correctly? How do we, uh, what, and what motivates us to, uh, I think when we see ourselves right, it helps motivate us to be a blessing for other people. And I want to share that, but before we do, I just want to have a, just a quick prayer before we look at God's word. So if you bow with me. We thank you, Lord Jesus, as a, a group of friends here that we have your word, that we have uh, your truth before us, that we can, we can worship with you, we can, um, you know, that we can, we can hear from you, that you're here, your Holy Spirit is present. And I pray for each one of my brothers and sisters, no matter what age they are, where they came from, what's going on in their hearts today, that you may have a, a word or a sentence, uh, a phrase, a reminder, a brand new thought in their lives that they could walk away with at, at the end of this time so that they could be more conformed to your image. And this I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, you know, we had a chance uh, to hear... Uh, this story, this wonderful story that um, is found in the, in the Gospel of uh, Luke, chapter seven, and I just want to kind of review it for you a little bit uh, and, and make a couple of observations for you. Most likely, if you've been coming to church for a while, you've you've heard the story about this woman. Uh, what I want to do is try to engage you in in such a way that maybe you can see yourself in this story in some way. There might be a a person. Uh, in this story, you say, you know, I can kind of relate to that particular person, okay? It's the story, it's a really a powerful story of a changed life, and and Jesus, who's uh, really our master and Lord, but also a master teacher, he uses the uh, example of a, of a woman with a changed life to um, gain a kind of a, a principle of life, out of it. So he uses this example of this woman's changed life uh, to draw a principle out. Uh, and so as we, as we look at Luke chapter 7, uh, it begins by saying, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house. He took his place at the table. So the first thing we, can, we notice is that it's, at some point this, there's, a, uh, there's a man there, a Pharisee, and likely Jesus, he had met Jesus, or he'd inquired about him and said, uh, uh, would you consider, you know, perhaps he was going around a town, he was uh, meeting with, his, with different people, and he said, you know, you're going to have to eat somewhere, would you like to come to my house? And so he went into his house, accepted an invitation from this Pharisee, and, you know, likely um, at this, uh, this particular place, uh, you'd have this kind of picture of... Um, I don't know how many, if you know much about like dining in the the Middle East time was not quite like you know pulling into a McDonald's or a, or something like that. You you had a uh, uh, a table in the middle, and around it you had uh, almost like chaise lounges, like where you would kind of sit on your side. Um, and the the point was that you wanted to have uh, 
the Middle Easterns considered your feet, you know, pretty much unhealthy, one, and disgusting, and two. So you wanted that as far away as you could. So you had a table in the middle. You're kind of, you know, leaning on your elbow, and your head is towards the middle, okay? So around this table, uh, you would have uh, the Pharisee, Jesus, and uh, as we'll read later in the story, uh, there's others around the table, probably uh, some honored guests, maybe a neighbor, perhaps one of Jesus' own disciples would have sat around this table. So it says in, in uh, 36, he took his place around the table. Now also, uh, you not only would have this table, but you'd probably have it be in some type of perhaps a courtyard or something. So it would be a little bit bigger room where there'd be several people coming and going. You'd have servants uh, that would be uh, bringing your food out. You would have, uh, like I said, perhaps some of Jesus' own disciples would be kind of on the fringes. So there's, it's, again, it's not quite like you're just in your own little uh, dining room at your house. It's a little bit bigger uh, setting. And so into this, uh, it says in 37 that, Uh, Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, uh, when she learned that he was reclining at the table, she came. So she most likely probably came in around maybe kind of like the dark edges, you know, mixed in with a bunch of people. And before anybody could do anything, you know, she was there. Uh, Perhaps you've been in an environment like that before where you you think, uh, you know, before you even have a chance to say something, somebody's already doing something. And most likely this is what's happened because... Uh, it says here that, you know, the, the, the people of the town knew her. So they knew what she was like. They knew uh, that she was, as, as they say here, she was uh, a woman of the town uh, who was a sinner. And so most likely she was, uh, you know, a prostitute, uh, somebody who was uh, labeled as uh, with disdain. You know, she was labeled a sinner. And uh, she's kind of, uh, like I said before, anybody could even uh, come in and stop her. She is right at the feet of Jesus, and she's touching his feet. Not only that, she begins to weep. So um, in in such a way that she begins to, like, clean his feet, the amount of water itself, itself that must be coming out must have been, I don't know if you've ever had one of those kind of, Cries, you know, just like an all-out gusher. Uh, but I imagine her having this. You know, it's just she's seeing herself for who she is. She's seeing Jesus for who he is. And all of a sudden, it's just the emotion is hitting her. And it begins to just pour out on Jesus' feet. And she begins to wash his feet with her tears. And then she takes her hair and just begins to clean his feet. And it says she anoints his feet with with, with ointment, with an, with an alabaster vase that she had brought. Now, uh, this particular situation uh, could have caused, you know, Jesus a little bit of discomfort. You know, I mean, this is not exactly, uh, you know, this is a woman of the night <laughs> touching his feet, which, again, in the Middle, in Middle Eastern culture would have been, a, you know, a big no-no. Don't, you can't touch a man in public. And, uh so it could have been a, just a total disaster, right? Could have been a total disaster, but but Jesus um, doesn't look at it this way, right? Uh, but before he has a chance to address it, this Pharisee in verse 38 says, uh, the Pharisee invited him, saw this, he was observing this, 
And he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what sort of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. So he has this thought in his heart. And it would have been very easy, I think, probably if you had the same gift that Jesus did of knowing somebody's mind to, like, say, you know, you're wrong. Uh, You don't understand this. But he uses this, again, this example of this woman whose life he knows has changed to make a bigger make a bigger point here so he feels comfortable in the situation that maybe others wouldn't have like this man who wouldn't even speak out loud and say you know this man's not a prophet obviously but he uh, he he whispers to Simon he takes this advantage uh, instead of uh, judging him he says I got a question for you and he goes okay ask me about it he says uh, a certain money lender had two debtors he owed, one owed 500, the other owed 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Which of them will love him? Well, it's an easy answer. Uh, but he's a little skeptical, so he, he puts in the, uh, the parenthetical, I suppose, you know, just to give him an out in case it's a trick question. He says, I suppose the one for whom uh, he canceled more of the debt, the 500. And he says, you answered correctly. So... Now, out of the mouth of the man who's uh, making the judgment, he has established the principle, right? A person who is uh, forgiven much, loves much. And uh, he's going to use that to his benefit. So uh, he looks at, the, uh, at Simon and says, I want to I tell you something. He goes, uh, you see this woman? Well, of course... He sees the woman. Everybody sees this woman, right? I mean, something very uncomfortable is going on from the majority of people here. Probably Jesus is the only one comfortable with this situation. He says, I entered your house. You gave me no water at my feet. Look, she's wet my feet with her tears. You gave me no kiss. But from the time she came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my head with her ointment. And so then again, he he gives you the principle. So I'm going to tell you that her sins, which are many, are forgiven. She loved much. But he who's forgiven little loves a little. So what a a beautiful picture he takes this woman who who could have been very uncomfortable uh, in this situation. And he he turns it into a principle that that we we can live with that we can learn from, that we can say, you know, are we a forgiving people? And are we a loving people? So I want to ask you, as you, as you look at this story, you know, who is it in this story that you relate to? You know, perhaps you're uh, one of the servants and you're an ob- observing. You're on the outside going, wow, what is happening here? Perhaps you can see yourself as the Pharisee. And I, I don't really understand this. Uh, um, I'm making my judgments on here. Or perhaps you see yourself as the lady, you know, a person who's, who's been forgiven much, who's uh, gone through a lot in their life. Uh, you know, I think this is, uh, is a very important question to ask because um, it's not easy to, it's not hard to establish the fact that, that this example that Jesus was using, uh, you know, the person who had been forgiven very little, 
was himself, in fact, the Pharisee, who saw himself as like, I don't really need much help. I'm a, I'm, I can make a judgment. Uh, I know what I'm doing. You know, if it wasn't for me, you know, this whole town probably wouldn't have a, you know, a, uh, a religious leader in it or a rabbi. It's fortunate for me, you know. But I've been forgiven very little, so, you know, most likely that's going to lead to, I don't, you know, love very little. On the other hand, you know, you have this woman who, who saw herself as, uh, as dependent. In fact, it's interesting, uh, as we read down in verse uh, eight, 48, it says, he says to her, your sins are forgiven, uh, that this, this phrase here is not, a, it's not a, a present tense, it's a past tense. It's actually seeming to refer to like your sins have been forgiven. Almost like the fact that, that Jesus has had another encounter with her already which would kind of help make sense of the passage if you think about it. Like, he'd feel a little bit more comfortable with her if, if at some point he had had an experience with her in the past, maybe the hour before he got there or the day before that he had, uh, had a touch in her life. He says, you know, remember your sins are forgiven, and now she is just responding to his love, right? She's simply responding to it in a way that, you know, it's like, Man, my life is changing, and where's Jesus? I got to go find him. I got to touch his feet. I got to do something to respond back for the love he has. So perhaps you see yourself as, you know, more relating to this lady. Perhaps you see yourself uh, more relating to the Pharisee. Nobody wants to be the one who relates to the Pharisee, but most likely, that's where we are. Most of us, you know, most of us uh, have, have had a point in our life where. You know, Jesus has done something great for us, but we tend to uh, think probably a little too highly of ourselves. I mean, I know I do. I tend to think, uh, you know, if it wasn't for me, sometimes this wouldn't get done. If it wasn't for me, this person would never hear. This, if it wasn't for me, if it wasn't for me, if it wasn't for me. And I tend to revert back to that. And I want to talk a little bit about how I try to center myself a little bit. But the fact for her, um, this woman... Who, uh, who has been forgiven much, you know, what, it, what helped her, and it, I mean, what she's been able to respond to in her life is, is now a, a really a, a gift of generosity. Because if you, if you notice that she brought in with her not only her emotions and her, her sense of uh, feelings, but she also uh, brought in this alabaster flask of ointment of perfume. And uh, this would have been a, a huge treasure back in the Middle Eastern world. You know, likely uh, a couple, maybe a half a year's wages, maybe more, depending on the size of it. This was probably her greatest uh, investment that she had. And she probably, as she thought about this idea of uh, coming to uh, see Jesus and respond to him, she probably thought, what could I possibly bring? to her and she grabbed the most valuable thing in her house and she took it with her maybe not expecting to pour it on him maybe I'm just going to present it Uh, but nevertheless she brought that with her and because she has been uh, forgiven much she's learned to love much and generosity is very easy for her 
on the other hand, uh, you know, when I, when I struggle and I think, uh, I, I find myself in the Pharisee's role of feeling like, you know, I've actually been kind of forgiven a little. Uh, I kind of tend to hold on to my, my stuff pretty tight, my time, my treasure, my talents. I tend to, uh, uh, you know, give I can, with less joy, less cheerfully, as we're taught in the scriptures, develop a, a cheerful heart. Uh, but when I can revert back and I can remember, like back in the, the days when God rescued me out of darkness when I was 19 and he delivered me into his kingdom, I can just kind of remember that. Well, of course, you know, now I want to I wanna steward everything I have, all my time, all my treasure, all my talents. It becomes very easy for me to, to do that. So the, the question I have for you today is, you know, one, where do you find yourself? You know, where do you, where do you find yourself in this story? Are you on the outside and you're just observing it? Maybe it's, it's even like the first time you've been to church in years. I don't know. You know, maybe it's, I'm just trying to learn about who this Jesus person is and what he did. That's great. You know, uh, we just celebrated a, uh, a, a wonderful part that of our, our heritage, which is the Lord's Supper. This is communion. This is a remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. The fact that he, you know, took our sins of who we are, he took them to a cross for us. That he did what we couldn't do. And now we can be right with him. That's what communion is about. We, we remember this as often as we can, like we were reminded today. Every day we need to be reminded of what he's done for us. And uh, so perhaps that's you. It's the first time you've, you've been introduced to this person of Jesus and what he's done for you and, what, and the reality of what he's done for you. Uh, perhaps, though, you're on, uh, you're, you see yourself in the place of the woman. You know, you're the person that uh, uh, has been forgiven much. You were a 500 denarii. You know, or maybe even see yourself as like a 1,000 or, you know, Maybe there's supposed to be another person that has been forgiven way more. Well, guess what? The good news for you also is that the cross is for you. Like what Jesus did uh, allows you to bring, it allows to bring you right with him. You know, that his blood is shed for you and that you can be reminded every day uh, of his love for you. And that as you are uh, generous with your time and your talents, your, your treasures, like that he is rewarding you. And it's easy. Maybe it's easy for you to do that. Well, bless you. You know, that's, that's a great, you've learned the joy of, of giving. And you want to continue to live in that. Most likely some of us find ourselves in between a lot of this. We find ourselves in the place of the Pharisee. The person who feels like, uh, yeah, I've, I know I've been forgiven much. But at the same time, I, you know, I feel like I need to do a lot. I have a difficult time receiving. I have a difficult time uh, just remembering. And I just want to give you a couple thoughts uh, as you may want to take a couple steps in that area. Uh, I think the first is, as often as possible for you to be able to, to really is to, to stay reading the Gospels and to stay in the story of what Jesus did for you, particularly uh, you know, remembering the truth of what, he, what the cross is about. That, it, that uh, because of the love that Jesus had for, for me, for you, for all of us, 
you know, that he was willing to, to die for us. And I think we, you know, sometimes we just, we, we hear about it intellectually, <laughs> you know. We just, it's there, yeah, I know it's true, and I remember it happened, and I've agreed with that, and I'm trying to live in that. But do we really sit there and, and meditate on it and focus on it and see our place? And I'll tell you, sometimes when I get to that place, uh, and my wife knows, like, I feel like I just, I have to kneel, physically kneel before the cross, and I have to just picture myself with almost like his blood dripping down on me and covering me. Like, I need to sense that this is what he has done for me. And uh, when I remember that, it leads to a generous life for me. Um, and the second thing I think you can do that's helped me quite a bit in my life is is to remember what God has done for you along the way. We are we are forgetting people. You know, we, we have a, a cry for help and a prayer like, God, come rescue me. And he does it. And then a week later, it's like it never happened. You know, God, send a friend to me. He sends a friend, we forget it. And I think uh, it's one of the reasons uh, I think journaling is so helpful sometimes is just to sit down and write down, like, the things that the great and th- mighty things God has done for you personally. Because it just helps to remind you of uh, over and over. I go back and I read and I go, oh, yeah, man, I, I, t- I, mean, I forgot. I mean, it's amazing. I've been walking with Jesus for over 30 years, but I forget some of the most, ama- most amazing things. And it's just hard to believe I could forget that. So uh, it might give you a couple of ideas. Uh, you know, of course, you know, one of the great things about this fellowship is being able to just to talk with each other, say, this is where I am. And I hope... You know, wherever you find yourself in the story, if you're, if you're here with a friend or you're here with your spouse or your children, tell them where you are in the story. Just say, you know, this is, I'm struggling over here or I'm finding myself in a good place of joy. Like when I'm around somebody who has the joy of giving or is in a joyful place of forgiveness, man, it, it affects me just hearing their stories. And so uh, my final thought just with you is like, is to think, God has blessed us. This is a fact. He has blessed us. He has done all the work that needs to be done. And he has called each one of you, he's called me, to be a blessing, both here in China and in your family. I appreciate you all letting me share with you, and I look forward to continuing the conversation with you at another time.